Welcome to The Friday Habit with Benjamin Manley and Mark Labriola II. The Friday Habit is for creators, entrepreneurs, and agency owners looking for actionable ideas on how to grow their business and be more profitable. We'll pull from our combined knowledge of over 20 years and interview thought leaders that will inspire you and give you the motivation you need to kick your business into high gear. Buckle up. It's Friday. Hey, everybody. Uh, Today, we're speaking with someone who started out as a portrait photographer, but is now known as a business coach, TEDx speaker, podcaster, and the author of the books Lingo and The Self-Employed Life, Jeffrey Shaw. Welcome to The Friday Habit. How's it going? It's going great. And actually, prior to being a photographer, I sold eggs at door to door. Wait a second. (laughs) I didn't see that in your bio. (laughs) I know. Egg selling. Yeah, it it might be in my... If it's not in my bio, I definitely... I talk about a lot of my book. Okay, I missed it. I I just skimmed over that. I don't know what happened. So I should have led with that for sure. (laughs) The times of selling stuff. There's been a few jobs where I've done door to door. When I was very little, my dad used to sell uh, Amway stuff and he used to send us cute little kids like, do you want to buy some Amway soap? You know, and we would sell soap for him. And then I also did like door to door, like security, like ADT, where I'm like knocking on doors and being like, hey, let me show you how insecure your home is. <laughs> well, I grew up, I grew up in this small country town. And and one thing we had a lot of were, were eggs. You know, I personally <laughs> didn't have a farm and I didn't have chickens, but there were local farms. So the entrepreneur in me at 14 years old, I was 14 years old. I had this bright mm. idea, like, you know, like we do in business, what's something people need and what is there a lot of? And there are a lot of eggs and there are people that like eggs on Sunday mornings. So on Saturdays, I drove around my mother's Oldsmobile cut, Cutlass Supreme. I could barely see over the steering wheel and reach the <laughs> gas pedal. And I would drive around this town. Of course, the police don't care that I was underage driving because nobody, I don't know if there were yeah. police. <laughs> and I sold eggs door to door and I had a thriving little business like that. That was my beginning into entrepreneurship to the point that I've never had a, a traditional job. I mean, that was my beginning of entrepreneurship, and I've never had a job. I've never received a paycheck from anyone. Wow, that's cool. That's a kind of a cool story. You know, so uh, you know, we'll just jump right in this conversation. You know, I, I feel like the, the egg thing was a good enough icebreaker for <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <laughs> but I, I, have, I guess, where did you get that, like, gumption from, you know, being at 14, were your parents entrepreneurs or, or how did that, how did you like kind of decide like, yeah, I'm going to go do, do this. And then from there, like what kept you motivated to continue on the path of entrepreneurship? I realize I believe that a lot of things we don't unpack till later on. Right. So, mm. um, looking back, my mom was, I guess you could say an entrepreneur. She was a hairdresser. And so when I was a kid, she worked at salons, but eventually she bought the salon. My father, on the other hand, the reason we lived in this little country hellhole of a town <laughs> was, and it still kind of is, I mean, you know, it's grown a little bit, but the reason we lived there is that IBM, this startup computer company in 1967, uh, they were they were opening up the what would become the largest computer production plant in the world hmm. at the time. And my father was one of the first 90 employees at this factory that was going to make computers. So that the reason they started there is the land was cheap. So they just bought up all the land to start this thing. So my father, I would say, was kind of a, you know, just a, an unhappy corporate guy. Mm-hmm. So I guess in looking back, I had I did have that mix of my mother who seemed to be thinking entrepreneurially and the, my father who was unhappy in a corporate job. I didn't realize at the time, but I have to say that the biggest driving force for me to enter into entrepreneurship is I actually thought I was, and I'm being honest, I thought I was pathetic and unemployable. 
Hmm. Like I just had no self-esteem at all. I was a terribly shy kid, like afraid of everything. I was a really a petrified kid, very afraid of people, extremely shy, kept to myself. And I just, I remember thinking to myself, who the hell would employ this jerk? Like, there's no way. <laughs> so I just had this from a really young age. I had this idea, like, if I don't, if I don't create my own job, nobody's going to hire me. Like, I better do figure uh, this out on my own. That really is the driving force as to why I just set out on my own. Was like, I'll just create my own jobs because I thought I was unemployable. So you did the egg selling thing, and then when you were in high school, did your awkwardness continue? And oh yeah, were, were you increased? <laughs> increased. <laughs> I mean, what what kind of stuff were you into? Like, were you because you, eventually you got into photography at some point, right? Yeah, for the sole reason that photography at you could the hide day, in a dark room. Correct. And like, <laughs> it was the, that's why I became a photographer because I could be in a dark room, or there was always this camera between me and the mm-hmm. world. Like it was the perfect introvert, scared to death, but absolutely. I mean, it, it, it just continued well into my, here's the irony of my life. Like the irony of the whole thing is that I chose photography to escape and to, and honestly, I came from a family and never talked about higher education. Nobody in my town went to higher education. So I didn't know it was an option. Mm -hmm. And so I took a year off, went to photography school because it was one thing I enjoyed and I thought I was pretty good at it. The irony is, is that I was so good at it that I, mm. I ended up getting all this attention. So for the very reason that I chose photography, I ended up getting awards <laughs> and scholarships. And then the student body of the, the photography school voted me to be the student representative and speak at graduation. And oh, I'm like, well, geez. crap, this didn't work <laughs> out as planned. <laughs> but there you go. I mean, so it was, you know, that just, I, I think constantly, and this is something I say in my book that I, I truly believe the real reason we become self-employed is to become bolder versions of ourselves. For Mm. me, it has been the number one tool of personal growth. Mm -hmm. It has always pushed me outside of my comfort zone. As I say in the book, hell, I don't think I even had a comfort zone. Like I wasn't comfortable anywhere. But what an incredible view. It's like personal growth on steroids, you know, because you're just out there. And by by my early 20s, I at least learned, was I ever comfortable? I don't know, but I at least learned to leverage what I was good at and felt like, Hey, I was gaining some, I was gaining some control of my life through self-employment by carving up my own path. Mm. And so at what point did you like, feel like you had a business? You know, if, if you went to photography school, you kind of did that. And then I'm assuming, you know, cause I think a lot of creatives, I know for myself, you know, I kind of started off um, you know, I was a musician for a long time and I picked up a camera in 2006, 2007. And thankfully for me, I didn't have to deal with a dark room and I didn't know much about it, but I knew if I turned these buttons a certain way, I could dial it into what looked good to my eye. And, um, you know, that kind of got me into the, to the world. But at what point did you feel like that you had something where you wanted to like grow it, you know, where you had a business and, or did it just kind of organically snowball into, you know, something that was paying your bills and, and providing for you financially? No, I think for a lot of, uh, a lot of us, particularly creatives, it does sort of evolve, you know, something that starts as a hobby, people tell us you're pretty good at it. Next thing you know, we think, Hey, maybe I can make money at it. But when I really felt like it was a business was three years into having graduated from photography school, opening a photography business, like with a legitimate storefront and three years of really struggling. 
And I can't really say that I felt legit. Like, did I have a business? Yes. Did I file a tax tax return? You know, to, to sales tax. I had all the legitimate stuff that made you feel like a business, but I didn't feel like I was really in business because I hadn't clicked with the people I was meant to serve. Mm. What I what I did is when I got out of photography school, I always had this idea as a portrait photographer that what I produced was valuable. What I was produced was worth handing down from generation to generation. The problem is I went back to a poor town to try to sell that shit. And, mm. and you know, <laughs> people that are worrying about whether they can pay their mortgage or not are not thinking about buying photographs to hand down yeah. from generation to generation, <laughs> right. right? So three years in, I realized that I had to fundamentally make a change. And, and here's a choice I think a lot of us face. I could either change who I was authentically to meet the market which meant decreasing my prices, becoming high volume, or as I fundamentally believe in business, there's an audience of people out there waiting for me to show up. I just have to figure out who they are and show up. And what I realized is that who I was meant to be for were very affluent families having nothing to do with their money because I was a poor kid. I couldn't define what a lot of money even meant. But right. what I realized was the values that they held were very similar to my own. I had always been a long-term thinker. I'm a guy that had life insurance by the time I was 19 years old. I became a photographer because I liked the idea of handing things down. And I realized people with money have the ability to plan for the future. Therefore, that made them prime candidates mm. to buy photographs. The problem was I knew nothing about rich people. <laughs> but I said it. I, had, I basically figured I had three months to decide whether this was a viable business or I was going to have to get a job. So I gave myself the challenge for three months to unpack the psychographics of, of wealthy people. So I, I went to high-end brands and I studied not the brands, but the behavior of the people and what tripped their mind. That's actually the entire basis of my first book, Lingo, hmm. was understanding the lingo of the audience that you want to reach. Mm-hmm. And diving in deep to understand their emotional triggers, what fe- what's what does their world look like? Like what's familiar to them in their world? What was familiar to me was going to Kmart, mm-hmm. right? What was familiar to them was going to you know Bergdorf Goodman in New York City. I had to understand what was familiar to them, and I I set a, a very definite deadline. I was going to give myself three months to unpack this rebrand. When I did, and within one year, I quadrupled my business. That's wow. when I, I realized I had a real business because what it really came down to, my business was not legitimate until I had an audience that wanted what I had to offer. And I found that audience. And, and honestly, I, I almost looking back, I almost can't believe how easy it was. Mm, yeah. <laughs> once I once I hit that point and clicked, like I, you know, I, I was shortly thereafter making more money than I really knew what to do with in, in my late 20s, which and I say that only because I screwed it up and I spent way too much. <laughs> but it was it was just it almost came too easy. So what was that like then? So you you were successful, you were getting a lot of clients and stuff like that. And then how long did you do that? And what eventually kind of made you feel like, hey, I wanna I wanna change? Like if it, it was successful, like what made you decide you wanted to switch it up? Yeah, well, that's the ultimate question. If it was the six successful, why would you give it up? I get asked that all yeah, the time. Yeah. I mean, I there are days I wonder too. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah sure. <laughs> so, I mean, how long I'm, did you? How long did you do that? So I still do. I mean, I'm 37 okay, nice. years. I, you know, I would actually say I, I, I always say I'm 37 years into business. That's not including from age 14 to right. 20, right? Um, selling eggs. 
But um, I went into officially went into business. I uh, got out of photography school when I was twenty, so I've been thirty-seven years. I do very little photography today. Like mm-hmm. th- these days, I'll, I'll do maybe six shoots. Just right. for I'm sure that it's free. just yeah, it's like yeah. relationships you've built over Correct. the years that like certain ones. Yeah. yeah, one of my clients flew me to Hawaii this year. Like I'm not going to say yeah, no. Okay, <laughs> no, um, so, but I would say you know it, it was 25 years of that's all I did. Right. So for mm. 25 years, that's all I did. About 13 years ago, 12, 13 years ago, I just had this strong inkling that there was more to me than what I, how I was showing up in the world. And again, that's why this whole self-employment is, is, a, is a journey of personal development. I had succeeded so much further than I ever could have imagined. And out of 25 years in, I was like, I want more of myself. Mm. I think the world wants more of me. Mm. And I didn't know what that was, except I think it had something to do with speaking about what I knew. I felt like I had, I knew a lot about business at that point. I also knew a lot about, I see so many people struggling to figure out who their clients are, how to market themselves. I'm like, well, this bozo from a tiny little New York town figured out how to penetrate the hardest market in the world mm. and serve the wealthiest people. Like, I know something. Mm-hmm. So I decided I wanted to teach people how to do that. Mm. And um, again, just fundamentally in self-employment, I feel like this is, and we're seeing it today, like to me, this is the best way to create the life and business of your dreams, like not at somebody else's control. So um, I just, I started, my, to me, the biggest challenge was speaking on stages. Mm-hmm. So I set a goal for myself. I was going to speak on stages and I did that. And that led to a following, which led to the desire to write a book, my first book, Lingo. Mm-hmm. And then, um, three years later, just this past uh, May, I came out with my second book, the self-employed life and I'm working on the third. That's so awesome. it's been, and do you like, do you like writing and doing that? Do I like writing? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, here's love so hate relationship. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Because what I love is I love the audience. I love the connection. I love mm-hmm. the readers, like passionately love the readers. And um, I have, as a result of my last book, uh, The Self-Employed Life, once it was out there, I, I could feel a demand for more. So I created the Self-Employed Business Institute, mm-hmm. which is now like pretty much my entire life. We do two cohorts a year, five months of training and coaching. I love the depth of the work that we're doing there and the students in the Self-Employed Business Institute so much that that's what I love. Do I love the writing? I like the ritual of writing. I will tell you that. Like I changed Mm. my life because – and the only way a book gets written is with discipline, not inspiration. So I write – in order for me to get write either of my books, I wrote from 3 p.m. to 6 or 7 p.m. every day. I rearranged my schedule. So after 3 o'clock, I no longer did – I didn't do any appointments. So I wrote in a disciplined manner three to four hours every day, cranked out both books. Um, Even when I'm not writing a book, I keep that time as other content writing. And I Mm -hmm. loved that discipline. I loved – I mean, I'm writing a book on the beach. It's not half bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Right? So, but I love the discipline of it that I love. So all of that around writing a book, do I love putting words on, you know, do I like typing out on a keyboard? And No, it's challenging as hell. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really hard. But God, do I love the results. I love Mm. the readers. And now the people that are coming into the Business Institute, like that I love. And that's the motivation. That's awesome. What kind of audience are you typically serving with the Business Institute? Is it people that are kind of first-time self-employed? Is it people that have been doing it a while? Is it people that have several businesses? Is it a big mix? Like what what kind of people are you usually working with? 
it's, it can be a little bit of a mix, but I think commonalities are, they're almost all, and this is intentional. We're attracting people that have been in business for some period of time. Um, I'm not really focusing on startups unless, which is what we find a lot of, is that there are people that are brand new in a new business, but they've been in business for 10 years or right. 20 years in something, either a related field or often entirely different. One of the students was a bookkeeper for 20 years, and now she's got a home-based bakery, right? Mm. So- you know, it's a dramatic pivot from what she was doing, but she found another passion that she loved. That's who I love to work with because they they have they have experience and they have information. And this goes back right to who I am as a photographer. You know, at some point in our lives, we tap into what we're really good at, and we might ask ourselves. And I would encourage listeners to ask themselves, like, why? Like, why are you good? Like, one of my favorite questions to my coaching clients is, "What's a unique way that your brain ticks?" Right. The unique way my brain ticks, which either brought, I'm not sure yet if it brought me into photography. I think there was an inkling, but it got mastered for 25 years of being a photographer is that my brain is really good at, at organizing chaos. Hmm. Most people come to me in a state of chaos to some degree, like their business isn't doing as performing as much as they want, or they're, they're really, they have a successful business, but they want to go in a different direction. There's, there's some element of confusion. And I'm like, bring it on. So my brain thrives in that. And it's totally based on being a photographer because a, photogra- a photo shoot is nothing but chaos. Right. I photograph entirely on location, by the way. I should clarify that because, you know, I show up in a location. I'm at a location I've never been at before. Lighting I can't control. People I've never photographed before. It's chaos. I thrive in that environment. So I'm really good at coaching people hmm. who come with pieces, which is exactly where most people are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So most of my most of the students in the self-employed business institute are coming with some experience, um, mm-hmm. a variety of fields for sure. But that again, I enjoy that because uh, fundamentally, uh, it's it's our job, particularly a coaches. It's my job to be in the shoes of who they serve, to let them know if I'm who you serve, what do I need to see, hear, and feel from you, mm-hmm. in order to choose you. I, I really like that you know idea that you were uniquely designed to handle a particular situation. And I think a lot of times, you know, especially like a mindset of scarcity, I see a lot in the market of, of people being afraid, well, if I do this, then someone else is going to come along. And I'm like, listen, there's enough business out there for everybody. There's more business than anyone can handle, but no one can be you. You know, it's always that encouragement of like, you know what, you have something unique to offer you know, the marketplace and you may think you're not special or that you don't have anything that anyone else can't just Google or watch a video on how to do, but nobody can bring you, you know, you to that, that situation. And I think that's one thing that I, you know, always love to encourage people is, and, and, and have that confidence of like, you know what, I can share my knowledge and be generous with what I have because no one can be Mark Labriola the second. There's only one me, you know? Yeah, yeah. which is interesting. Your name is a second, right? There's only one me, except for my except dad. My yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you make, you make the perfect point. You're making the perfect point. I refer to this as unique perspective, right? Because very mm-hmm. few of us are in a field that we're alone in, okay? Very right. few of us. And, you know, I say Steve Jobs and a handful of people are actually original thinkers. The rest right. of us are just picking up pieces in the universe and putting it together maybe in a unique pattern. Mm-hmm. But the fact matter is, it's most of us are not in a field by ourselves. But here's how you can stand out. It's really getting in touch and understanding what's your unique perspective. How do you see what you do differently than everybody else? I am different than any other coach because of my photography brain. Mm-hmm. I can see as a photographer, just think about it. Like, 
the reason I'm a good coach is I can see in you what you can't see in yourself. In the same way that you can drop me in any place on the planet and I'll see a photograph that other people are walking by, right? right? I can see in you what you can't see in yourself. My brain thrives in chaos. I see the world in pixels and I'm imagining how it comes together, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's owning that in yourself that affords you your unique perspective. I'm not in a field of coaching or education on my own, but I am absolutely unique in the way that my brain works and how I can help people. We all have that. I always say your unique perspective is more unique than your DNA because think about siblings in a family, like siblings that can grow up in the same family, same environment, and actually have a very different take on their childhood. Why? Because you're laying your perspective on those experiences. So we are actually completely unique people in how we see things. All right, we're going to pause this conversation here. Uh, go to the FridayHabit.com. There you can find show notes for this episode. Uh, there you can also find links to our websites and ways to get in touch. At the bottom of the page, you can download our guide to the Friday Habit System that will show you how to set aside one full day each week dedicated to working on your business instead of in your business. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear next week's episode, subscribe so you get notified. Uh, also, leave us a review in Apple Podcast app uh, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to potentially be on one of our episodes uh, with a question you ask us, Go ahead and record a quick message in your phone, voice memo, and email it to hello at the Friday Habit .com. Until next time, live every day like it's Friday. Friday.